From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. A remarkable story of lifelong contact with extraterrestrial beings and the certified regression therapist who helped her client remember. Leslie Mitchell-Clark and Wes Roberts are standing by and will be here for the full two hours. Owen Wolf is my technical producer. Ryan White is my editor and live stream producer. Hey, get on up to strangeplanet.ca. That's the website, strangeplanet.ca. Everything you need or want to know about this program, plus my podcasts, you can access the YouTube channel there as well. And while you're there, check out the brand new Strange Planet shop. Also, a quick reminder that I'll be presenting at Occulticon 2019 up at the Mythwood Event Campground in Gray County, that's beautiful Holstein, Ontario, about 90 minutes northwest of Toronto. And uh, Mythwood, it's a beautiful 61-acre campground, the highest campground in Ontario. Occulticon runs Friday, September, uh, September the 13th to the 15th. I'll be speaking on the 14th, Saturday the 14th. You can come for the day, camp all weekend. For more information and tickets, go to Occulticon, O-C-C-U-L-T-I-C-O-N, Occulticon.com, or go to the live events and appearances page at strangeplanet.ca. Educator, entrepreneur, and college professor Wes Roberts appeared to have an ideal life that belied the fact that deeply disturbing incidents of high strangeness had been a regular part of his adult life. Relentless insomnia, missing time, strange marks on his body, terrifying fragments of trips into alternate realities where close contact with non-human beings took place on a nearly daily occurrence. Wes sought out the help of noted hypnotherapist Leslie Mitchell-Clark. What would follow would be the gradual recovery of Wes's remarkable memories, reflecting a lifetime of mind-bending, extra-ultra-terrestrial encounters. Leslie Mitchell-Clark is a Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist, master hypnotist, and NLP practitioner who specializes in working with individuals who feel that they've had experiences with extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial beings. Most of this fascinating work, as well as metaphysical therapies such as past life and interlife regression, takes place at Leslie's Toronto-based hypnosis clinic, Lightwork Hypnosis. For the past seven years, Leslie has been the host of a popular ufology-focused program, Contact TV. Wes Roberts is a contract college professor. In addition, Wes has a small company that offers business and social media content writing. He co-hosted and periodically appeared as a guest on Leslie's blog talk radio show called Contact. Together, they currently conduct interviews for their YouTube-based Contact TV channel. Some of Wes's accounts have appeared in Terror in the Night. Alien Abduction Exposed, and the late Bob Mitchell's What If? Close Encounters of the Unusual Kind. And their book is Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Leslie and Wes, welcome to you both. Thank you so much, Richard. It's such a pleasure to be here and be here at the Zoomerplex. Yes. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Glad to be here. My pleasure. First of all, <clears throat> uh, let's uh, mention that you, both of you will be appearing at the Alien, uh, uh, Alien Cosmic Expo happening September 21 and 22. 
Yes. And what, what will you be doing at the, uh, the Cosmic Expo? Well, as I understand it, um, often we act as hosts on what they call experiencer day. So Saturday, uh, half of Saturday, it's a little bit different this year. Half of Saturday, the morning half and half of Sunday, the morning half is really focused on the experiencer issue. So we will be hosting those pertinent uh, speakers and authors and uh, also uh, conducting some workshops, as I understand. Yeah, chances are there will be some experiences there. There usually is, uh, perhaps abductees, and we can certainly talk about the nuances of differences um, later on, if you like. Right. Again, that's the Alien Cosmic Expo, September 21-22 at the Airport Marriott Hotel in Toronto. And people can go to aliencosmicexpo.com for more information and yes. to, to get tickets. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking about the experiencer panel, I mean, <laughs> you you, uh, you are uh, uh, quite the experiencer, a lifelong or a, certainly your adult life. Uh, I mean, this is a... This is just the opening chapters, I guess, this book that you've written. I mean, there's more to come here, but let's mm-hmm. see how far we can get in the, uh, in the, uh, following two hours. So, your, before you, you went to see Leslie Mitchell Clark at, uh, Lightworks, what were you, what were you experiencing? So, I had a key experience in the 1980s that I'd sort of written off. I couldn't explain it and I let it sit and let it fester and let it work away at me uh, until 20 years later, I couldn't stand it anymore. I was having um, sleepless nights. Uh, I was afraid to close my eyes, literally. I was not functioning normally. And of course, I had to keep up with my college duties. I teach technical stuff. So it's, it's kind of, it was very challenging for me. It's, you know, pounding my fist on the table in frustration, um, thinking I didn't control events in my life. Um, so I finally got to that point and I, I found Leslie and we started to explore. I had thought initially, let's go find out what happened in the 1980s. And, and that's not what happened at all uh, in the hypnosis sessions, not well, for a long time. Before you went to see Leslie, though, when you, you mentioned you were afraid to close your eyes, mm-hmm. you were having insomnia. Why were you afraid to close your eyes? What was happening? I thought uh, there was something in the room. I thought there was something there. Just a, you felt a presence or you saw something out of the, the corner of your eye? Rarely saw anything, um, but felt there was a presence in the room. And this was at the time with my ex-wife sitting in the living room and, and me in the bedroom. Lights on, lights off. It didn't really matter. It was a, it was actually like terror sometimes. Did you think initially it might be a haunting? Um. The thought across my mind, uh, both Leslie and I have some background in that area. I have some background in parapsychology. Um, I I didn't attribute it to that. I sort of went through a a cause and effect uh, beyond a reason of a doubt thing. I I eliminated things that could not be in my own mind. So I finally came to the fact that I am being visited uh, by, by alien creatures. And uh, through many, many hypnosis sessions that came later and consciously recalled experiences, it all fit into a pattern. And uh, just I, I want to get into as much detail as time sure. allows here, but marks on your body, were there like scoop marks? What, what were you finding? So no scoop marks for me that I'm aware of. Um, I twice woke up with triangles on my body. Um, one of them, fortunately, I got a picture of it still out there somewhere. It might even be here in the book, but... 
um, two little triangles as if they were burned on me. They didn't last long, uh, but there they were. And uh, once also with triangles on my forehead. And I came to understand only later that that's the triangle thing's a popular thing. Maybe not the way they were on me, but it was a popular thing. Did they hurt? Um, this is a bit hot. I, I would have to say when I when I touched it, it was a bit warm. And that that was around the same time you felt a presence in the room. You ha- you had this insomnia. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't even pin it down to a time. It was months and years, months and years of uh, feeling uh, just you know afraid. Some nights. Any any strange dreams? All the time. Can yeah. you share one? Um, I so. I've always tried, uh, Richard, to define the difference between what's a dream and what maybe is an alien experience. And one of my criteria, rightly or wrongly, is that dreams are highly inconsistent. Yes. Um, So things change uh, rapidly right before your eyes. So in these experiences, things did not change before my eyes. They were fairly stable. There was continuity. Right. Uh, I could walk in a room and walk out, same room, same things on the wall, same carpet, same everything. Uh, so I began to think, not another body experience as I know them, not a dream, something very different than that. Um, so I, I had one, I don't talk about it often, uh, but I'll try to get into a little bit of it. Um, uh, a distant member of my family, a distant cousin, uh, was in this dream. And uh, I was supposed to have relations with her. I, I must be sounding pretty kooky right now. Anyway. I was supposed to have relations uh, with her, and things in this dream started out as as normal as could be, as normal as uh, sexual relations could be. And they deteriorated from there to the point where she wasn't who I was with near the end of the experience. She was something else, something not particularly human, and it was not pleasant at all. Uh, so I'm not saying that was an alien experience, but you asked me, uh, can I describe one of the dreams? And, and, and that's one of them. Right, right. One of many. So at what point did you decide? Well, first of all, again, before you went to see a registered hypnotherapist, what other steps did you take? I had begun to tell people. Um, I still haven't fully disclosed this to even members of my family, some members of my family. Uh, because I'm not sure how they'd ride it out, despite the fact that um, there's a proclivity for ESP and and uh, um, they're really talented members of my family, but I'm not sure. I've got the impression some of them would not deal with this very well. Um, so I did start to tell people, my partner, then my ex-wife at the time, a couple of people really close to me, um, a fellow school teacher, uh, and this was way out of her bailiwick, way out of her world. Uh, but she listened patiently and, and let me get on with it. And then uh, finally, when I thought I can't deal with this anymore, I was going on a trip to Europe and I was going to meet a friend there. And she basically said to me, I would want to know. That was it. I, I'd want to know. She didn't particularly believe me or disbelieve me. She was healthily skeptical, uh, but said, I want to know if it was me. So I came home from the trip. I still sat on it for a year. And finally... I found Leslie. Leslie, tell me about your work at Inner, uh, um, sorry. At Lightwork? At Lightwork. Okay, well, um, as, as you've already mentioned, uh, my specialty is really, uh, working in regression. And, uh, I have actually 
adapted past life regression techniques that are now suitable and kind of the the core of uh, how I approach working with experiencers. So that's the most, um, uh, I should say, uh, both the most challenging and the most fulfilling area that I work in. But certainly as a therapist, I work uh, with just with people with just about any kinds of issues you could imagine, uh, phobias, uh, bedwetting, um, you name it, uh, improving their, their golf game, you name it, I Addiction. do it. Yes, Weight addictions. Loss. I work, I, I'm also, uh, I also have quite a specialty in working in addictions and pain management. So I do all of those things and, um, uh, and hypnosis is an extraordinarily powerful modality. And, uh, I, I, I have a dream that someday it will be, you know, incorporated into medical treatment because it is so benign. Right, right. You know, it's a benign but powerful therapy that's, uh, five, six thousand years old at the very least. And, and prior to Wes Robert, uh, Wes Roberts coming to, uh, to, uh, your work, your, Shop. Yes. To light work. Yes. What were your thoughts about contactees, UFOs, mm-hmm. extraterrestrials? Well, I was certainly extremely open to the entire subject matter, the entire issue. And uh, a big part of that is because I had my own experience when I was in like my first year of university. And I do discuss that. Uh, I, I sort of came out, if you will, because it's something I hadn't even told my husband of nearly 30 years. So my interest was always there. You know, I, uh, however, um, I also remained skeptical as well, because certainly you can imagine, Richard, that um, a percentage of people who contact me about believing that they are having these kinds of contacts or reduct or abductions or whatever you wish to call it, a certain percentage of those people are going to be unstable. Sure. And so it's, you know, it's my job um, as a professional person to be able to assess the individual. So uh, I will usually do that. I'm, I'm certain that Wes and I had phone conversations before I saw him because that's my mode. That's how I, that's mm-hmm. how I roll. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would have, uh, by the time someone comes to me uh, finally for, an exploration of this type of issue, I'm pretty sure at that point that they are experiencers. But I still have to be completely neutral. Right. So you're, um, you're, you're in effect, you're interviewing them to see if you can help them or you're interviewing them to see whether what they're, they're, uh, they're delusional. What are you? What are you trying to ascertain? Well, certainly, uh, I have to ascertain their basic mental health. And that's just something that one does from experience and, and, you know, because if someone is suffering from a dissociative disorder, uh, they're not always truthful in the intake form. So I have to, at a certain point, just simply rely on my instinct and knowledge and, and, and training and make a decision. And I will always err, you know, uh, on the side of, you know, uh, sending them on to a, uh, a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist. Right. And how did Wes Roberts present over the phone? Well, Wes was extremely, as I remember him, I don't know if we've ever really discussed this in detail, but I remember him as being uh, extremely anxious. He, it felt to me like he was extremely fearful 
uh, as fearful as what he might discover uh, as he was of some of the fragments of of recalled memory that he had, which were quite odd in themselves. So he was, you know, he talks about being in a state of fear. I think he was I think it was, he was in a state of fear and agitation. Um, and I felt like I had to kind of, uh, you know, talk him down in a way I had to reassure him that the experience would still be under his control because really all, all hypnosis is self hypnosis. Uh, anything else that you may have heard about, you know, mind control or uh, an abuse of, uh, of the process is uh, is pretty much fiction. Now, I'm not saying there haven't been um, horrible programs that right. involved hypnosis. You right. know what we're talking about. I'm yeah. not saying that didn't exist because it did, but hypnosis in its purity, the way it's supposed to be practiced, is is uh, is not like that. So a person can pull themselves right out of trance if they wish to. Right. And um, I think once Wes understood that what he was facing with me was not going to be like another blackout and being taken somewhere. Right. I, I think he actually maybe had some anxieties that, that he would lose control uh, in, in my office. I'm not sure I'd have to. Uh, well, let's uh, ask him. He's, we, sitting right we, here. he's right here. Did, <laughs> did, did you have, um, did you have any feelings like that? Wes? Uh, so uh, hypnosis was mysterious uh, to me at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was no stranger to meditation and meditative practices, but hypnosis was something else. Um, so I, uh, I think I exi- I put put a name to my fear when I came out of the first session, actually, with Leslie. Um, my fear was more, what if this stuff is not true? Yeah, quite honestly. And that, and that, what you were losing your mind? Yes. That you were delusional? Yeah. 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 What if all the things I had remembered consciously uh, were not alien experiences? What if I was making this up? That's interesting. That mm-hmm. was your greater fear mm-hmm. that it wasn't true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, <laughs> because yeah. I don't know. For me, I would, I would think, oh my God, what if this is true? I mean, that changes everything, obviously. But, but I don't know. I mean, what is the lesser of the two fears? Obviously, for you, it was that it wasn't true, and mm-hmm. that you were losing your mind. And and so when I came out of the first session, uh, and, and I and I don't want to steal away Leslie's bit about assessment because that's critical to this process. Uh, but when I come out of my first session, there were tears in my eyes, and I basically said, "Is this stuff real?" Mm-hmm. Because what had happened in the first session was completely unremembered. Was yeah. something about my childhood? I had no suspicion whatever this had been happening to me since then. None. We'll get into. Uh, some of these sessions, if we can, uh, as the program progresses. Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, in studio on a special edition of The Conspiracy Show, and the book is Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Uh, how did you explain to him over the phone what was going to take place in your office, what, what was going to happen? Well, I explained to him a little bit about how regression actually works, and uh, we now know that regression works just the way we've always thought it did as hypnotherapists, but the real-time mapping of the brain has, in fact, proven it. So I explained to him that what he was going to experience was going to be very relaxing and pleasurable because 
what we do is we get that body as relaxed as we possibly can. Now, the ancient Romans and uh, I think the ancient Greeks and ancient Egyptians gave their their patient a big opiated drink. <laughs> To get to that point of relaxation, right. uh, but we don't do that in in our Western culture. So I, he knew he was going to be in a deep state of relaxation, and I explained to him that once the body becomes physically relaxed enough, that little membrane or curtain that is between our conscious mind and our subconscious mind, where all the memories are stored, that little curtain just dissolves, and you're able to move freely in time, backward and forward. And I also remember reassuring him that if we, if he began recalling a um, painful or terrifying experience, because I had no idea what we were going to find when we get in, got in there, uh, that I would immediately turn him into an observer in the situation. And by doing that, we are still able to process the trauma and relieve the memory and look at the details without the patient having to emotionally, physically, spiritually re-experience the trauma in a real-time way. So I reassured him that if anything disturbing began to happen, bang, zoom, he turns into an observer and I will be protecting him every step of the way. So I think I said... I think that's probably most of what I said, um, you know, and just basically not to drink any caffeine. And also I said, you know, it's possible that that we may not get a lot of information. That doesn't mean you're not an experiencer. I have to know how the person it's it's very helpful if they're a good hypnotic subject. OK, we'll I'll uh, jump in here. We'll take a quick time. Okay. I'll come back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, co-authors of Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. So give us a time frame. When did Wes first come to see you? I was just thinking about that. I think it was probably very close to a dozen years ago now, something like that, somewhere between um, 11 and 12 years ago. Okay. And uh, so you had been living with this by this point for 30 years? I would say 25 years, and it just got progressively, uh, my ability to deal with it just got progressively worth, worse, and I figured I was getting too vulnerable. And in all that time, would you say that you hadn't had a decent night's sleep? I, I wouldn't say in all those years, but it was common, uh, common to the point of almost being daily. You might, and, I mean, you cannot function uh, for too long without... Uh, you know, proper sleep. You must have been in terrible shape. I, I, you know, quite honestly, I think the routine, the demands of being a teacher, a college teacher, kept me on the straight and narrow, uh, quite honestly. And uh, living with an understanding person, although this hadn't impacted her as far as she knew, uh, my ex-wife. Um, so I think, uh, think the rigors of teaching kept me fairly grounded. So. 
your first day you walk in the door at light work and you meet Leslie Mitchell Clark. What happens after that? So I brought my nervousness, my nervousness with me. <laughs> Are you nervous? No. <laughs> okay. And um, so after meeting and, and sitting down, she has very comfortable space. Uh, and, and in fact, I saw it another 32 times. So uh, yeah, we, we've done about 30 plus sessions over the years. Um, so we talked, we talked about myself. We talked about the assessment. Um, you know, she's obviously looking to see, am I a stable character, this kind of thing, which was all good. Uh, medical conditions, um, anything mm-hmm. like that. And then how how the process would go. And, and I think, Richard, like a lot of other people, I thought, you know, uh, so did you see that tall alien? Uh, this does not happen. No. This does not happen, this kind of thing. It's kind of like you walk into a room of your choice, and then you see what's going on. And there's always something going on in the rooms I went in. <laughs> So very busy, yeah, very, very busy, busy in those rooms you've got there, Wes. Right. So <laughs> and then so you're I mean, how do you describe you, you put him under or you placed him under hypnosis? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I generally spend for a for a regression session uh, to do the regression bit. We like to have people in the theta state, which is a pretty deep state of uh, of relaxation. So I usually spend. Mm, about 10, 15 minutes, maybe longer, getting somebody into a really deep state of relaxation. Now, you might ask, how do I know they're in a deep state of relaxation? There are all kinds of little testing things that I do while I'm talking to them right. that that allow me to know that they are where I need them to be. So after I get the individual into this very peaceful, blissful state of relaxation, then we go through some, I'm going to almost call them exercises that start sort of loosening up, oiling up the memory mechanism. So first I will do some regression in the person's life, lifetime that is very benign. Right. In other words, I'll say, um, <clears throat> pardon me, I'll say uh, you're going back in time uh, 10 years and I want you to pick a very happy, pleasant memory of that time. And it can be a thought, a feeling, an event. And I'll suggest that it's very easy to do this. It's just going to pop right up. So, and generally speaking, it does just pop right up. And uh, I get the person to uh, give me as many details as as I can about that. And they, I don't think they're, they're not even aware that what we're doing is we're getting the mechanism going. Right, right. And again, it's very, I, I'm very, very careful to be so neutral. I'm neutral, neutral, neutral. Of course, there's a protocol here. You Absolutely. You can't lead the witnesses. No, no, no witnesses can be led. So then we go back farther to, you know, eventually where I get the person to about five years old. And uh, and then by that time, we're really getting fluency of memory. And even though the person is five, they have perceptions they are talking about sounds and smells and, uh, you know, their mother's uh, dress from the from the knees down. You know, right, right. so we're, and uh, after that process, and I feel like things are really fluid, then if the person is um if, if the individual who believes they've been an experiencer has some memories that have some conscious aspects that are partially recalled, what I will usually do is either move the client to that experience 
again, in a very benign way. I don't even really describe that. I tell them where they are and, you know, tell me what's happening. I mean, I'm as vanilla as you can possibly imagine. So after doing this little memory loosening up bit by moving them around in their own life, uh, I generally will move the client to one of these partially remembered experiences so that we can uh, hopefully get a lot more detail and revelations. And uh, and invariably, that's what happens. The person is able to flesh out, you know, they may have remembered a few little things and they may have even remembered them incorrectly. And then they're able to flesh out the experience. Right. In right. their own words. Now. I mean, I, the, the brain is this wonderful, uh, at night it can be a movie making machine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it creates metaphors and symbols. Does it matter, uh, just sort of as an aside, when we're talking about regression therapy, mm-hmm. does it matter whether those memories are real in order to bring about some sort of a resolution? If you go back in time, let's mm-hmm. say, let's say someone, you know, um, I don't happen to believe in reincarnation. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can be convinced otherwise, but at the mm-hmm. present time, does it matter though if you have this experience? You, you were in the Civil War, but you weren't mm-hmm. really. In my way of thinking, it doesn't matter. Right. I don't think it matters. No, because um, now, certainly before I ever did past life regressions, I already was a person who had been through that process. I had my own memories. I was a believer, certainly, but. I am still, I still approach that exercise with a lot of skepticism. And, but one thing that I do in past life regression that may be different from some other hypnotherapists, I always insist or to the subconscious mind that the past life memories that are most important and have the most to do with the right now are the things that the person will be looking at and addressing. Right. So it's not always clear why these memories have come to the fore. Uh, sometimes the person understands that, you know, a, you know, a week later or two weeks later, but sometimes they get it right away. But it's still healing. Whatever aspect, uh, you can completely be a non-believer in reincarnation and do a past life regression journey and still relieve Old trauma. Right, right. This is what I've understood. Yeah. I've come to understand. Uh, we just got a few minutes here before the break, but do you, re- do you recall? <laughs> it's going to sound strange. Do you recall what you remember in that first session? What, what came to you as you started to uh, go back and recall these uh, visitations, if we can say? So I, I do recall uh, parts of it. I think what's happened to me over the years because there's probably 40 distinct episodes and and all of that only a handful in the book but um i i recall the beginning of the process which i thought was quite fantastic uh, because i like to meditate mm-hmm. so whether you use an analogy of going downstairs or doing a count that goes up or down it, it kind of all works the same way mm-hmm. and so i was getting i was getting very relaxed and i thought well this this is interesting this is not what i thought it would be like and and then I, if I'm not mistaken, the first experience was one from my childhood. Yes, yes. And uh, I had not expected that. And so this was the first I I heard of it, or was aware of it yeah. at all. Um, and and again, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of two experiences. It was either showing a little girl around a house, mm-hmm. uh, and and Leslie has something to do with that too. Mm-hmm. Showing a little girl around the house uh, that didn't know what things were. Uh, didn't know what this glass was that I'm holding in my hand. 
and didn't know what a set of stairs was um, and didn't know what to do in the kitchen, didn't know what things were for. And I was taking her around and uh, taking her around the kitchen and showing and letting her touch stuff like that. And uh, I thought, what was all that about, you know? <laughs> and so it, it eventually developed. She didn't quite look exactly like a little girl. Um, and so the, they don't sometimes. Uh, something's wrong. The hands aren't quite right or the eyes aren't quite right. Right. Do you recognize the house? No. I did not recognize the house. It was kind of like a farmhouse. I, and I was raised in Toronto. This is not not a place where I can remember ever being. Interesting. Yeah, so so I so I took her around and showed her stuff and then it was it was time to go. And uh, we found out through many experiences that when they want to end their observation of you, and this is what we feel they're doing, they're observing you. Uh when they want to end it, they just pull the plug. Mm-hmm. You're done. It's like turning off a light switch. And, and and I think with children particularly, and because I see this in so many of my other um, wonderful people that I work with, I think with children, uh, these advanced beings, and there are many of them, by the way, uh, even Paul Hellyer said he believes uh, in his experience working with the government, there's something like 72. Leslie, pardon mm. the interruption. We've got yeah. a breakaway here. Oh, we'll very quickly come back on the other side more with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark. True story of extraterrestrial contact. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. And Wes and Leslie will be appearing at the Alien Cosmic Expo. That's happening September 21-22, Toronto Airport, uh, rather the um, Airport Marriott Hotel in Toronto. That's on Dixon Road. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about one of your your regression sessions. You remembered being showing a little girl around a farmhouse, and as the memory sort of unfolded, you realized she didn't quite look human. She didn't know what ordinary household objects were for. And, um, Leslie, you were saying that, well, you've experienced this before with, I guess, other uh, contactees when dealing with children. Yes, when, when they're dealing with children, which all the people that I work with have extensive experiences as children. It usually goes back... Uh, to age three and maybe even earlier, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a commonality there. But when caring beings are wanting to monitor these children or engage with them in some way or teach them or whatever it is that's their agenda, they will often use staging. You know, they will construct a kind of artificial environment. And uh, that is to make the children more comfortable. They'll try to stage little parties and they'll and, you know, but half the kids will be asleep sitting in chairs, you know, <laughs> completely turned off. But right. these these kinds of um, these kinds of staging experiences are extremely common when you're talking about the youthful uh, contactee. In fact, Wes, I don't know if you want to tell the story. It's one of my very favorites where you were it's it's the birthday party one where you were taken in the afternoon and go ahead why don't you tell them yeah. do we have time for this now oh, uh, maybe we've not. got about four minutes yeah so i'll do the quick version of it um i opened some doors and i was at a birthday party and i would have been a teen maybe 14 
15. Snarky teen. Snarky teen, sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, just, uh, now this is, this is, you're recalling this through regression, right? Yes. This, yes. this is a re, this is a, reco- a, com- a recovered memory, the complete it. sequence. Yeah, yeah. So, um, walk into this little party. There's a party table sort of straight ahead of me with little goodies on it, cakes and the usual stuff. And there's people dressed up in pristine, uh, little party dresses and, uh, boys with their little bow ties. But and, like the, maybe anachronistic, right? It looked more like the mid fifties. It was a little bit. They, they tend, they tend, Richard, to get little things wrong uh, yeah. that I've mentioned before. There's a whole thing about telephones that we can tell you later that they always get wrong with me anyway. Um, so here's all these little party girls and boys. And I, I felt I was being directed to go up and, and, uh, introduce myself or talk to them. That was my impression. I was being told to do that. Uh, and, and that often happened in my experiences. There was something up there, over there, uh, and I'm pointing over my shoulder right now that was saying, uh, suggesting mentally, go up and talk to these, interact with these kids. And I began to go up and talk to interact to them, with them, but they weren't very interactive. Uh, they were more like robots, uh, most of them. You know, fake, fake smiles as if they'd been put there, planted there, um, as if they were props, automatons. I don't know what to call them. Was it a mix of, uh, did, was it a mix of actual human children like yourself who were just asleep and sort of synthetic automatons? I would say that's correct. Mm. It was a mix of both, which they also do a lot mm-hmm. in, in these kind of experiences. You don't know who is real or who is invented, who's there with you or not with you. And so as I'm going through the party line, I'm thinking, this this isn't working. This isn't a real party. Um, these aren't all real children. I don't know what I'm doing here. And so at that point, it's like, boop, time to leave. Because yeah. you started to and question you started to question them. You started to make a little little teen scene. In right? other words, they, the the, uh, the extraterrestrials, they pulled the plug on the simulation. Mm-hmm. And then what? You're back in you're back in. Normally, you're back in your bed. Right. Uh, but you might be in a different scene. Depends what they want you to go through. Wow! And upon remembering that, was there any was there any fear? Or? Not fear with that. Uh, I mean, certainly if there's time tonight, there's a couple of real fear invoking experiences I've had. This is not common with me or with abductees and experiencers. True. The fearful yeah. things not really all that common. Yeah. But I have had a couple that really scared the pants off me and involved other people. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into that uh, with your permission, if you feel comfortable to do so. Uh, Leslie Mitchell Clark, Wes Roberts, again, Alien Cosmic Expo, September 21, 22. They will be hosting an experiencer panel, mm-hmm. and that takes place on the Saturday? Actually, it's going to be, uh, I think, the, the morning sessions on both Saturday ah, and Sunday. Got it. Rather than make one complete day experiencer day, they're breaking it into two parts. So I would say till noon or one on Saturday until noon or one on Sunday. All right. Again, mm-hmm. Airport Marriott Hotel Toronto, and that's AlienCosmicExpo.com for uh, tickets and more information. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark. Wow, this is quite a saga. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Why is it called Intersections? Oh, I'm going to have to let Wes handle that. That is that is a title that pertains to a very salient experience that he had. 
The name intersection comes from a point in space and time, quite honestly, when something occurs. I like to call them event horizons as well. It's one of the ways I see them. But an intersection of space and time, that was my 1980s experience, basically. That involved an aircraft and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's like at that intersection, my life was obviously meant to change. I just had to twig into it. And that's what took over two decades to say, okay, I am one of those people who I thought I was not one of those people. You know, I looked disparagingly at people that called themselves abductees or experienced. Did you? Yes. I actually felt strange around them. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I felt an odd energy around some of them. I was quite creeped out. Well, some of them have odd energy, frankly. And you're very sensitive. I don't know if I would call you hypersensitive, but you're very tuned in to a lot of stuff, I would say. You know, I did want to mention one thing, Richard. This was about these stagings and what happens during the childhood experiences. There seems to be a race of beings, I should call them, that seem to always show up when there is a medical procedure or test to be done on a child. And Wes, in his recountings, calls them the brown doctors. But they never let themselves be seen because they are so terribly concerned about upsetting children or people. You mean when a small child has to go for a procedure to the dentist or for a tonsillectomy, these, for contactees, these children, these entities are there? Invariably there. And it's a sort of, talk about an intersection, it's a sort of a thing that comes up often. Now, some people have told me that they've seen the brown doctors without any kind of staging and that they are, in fact, mantis beings. Some people have said, no, they're not. Everybody seems to have a different opinion. But I was remembering one of Wes's, again, memories around the time that he was 10 or 12. And it was an examination at the pediatrician staged thing. Right. And again, you know, weird toys that have no resonance. You know, half the kids are unconscious. And the doctor comes out to get you for your appointment. And he's wearing what was to you a terrifying clown mask. So, see, they got that really wrong. They were trying to mask themselves. Right. And they thought that based on their clowns, their understanding of our culture, that clowns are happy. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting? Because there is a certain, I would say, sizable percentage of the population that are freaked out by clowns. Yes, terrified. So I'm wondering whether whether those people that have that fear of clowns, whether they've had an an alien. uh, One has to wonder. One has to wonder about that, Richard. You know, which came first, the alien or the clown? Right, right. Red Skelton, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Was Red Skelton an alien? (laughs) That's another show. (laughs) Uh, So as you're having these regressions, Mm -hmm. are you starting to piece this together now in your mind saying this? I mean, was there a moment where you said this is real? Um, I pretty much thought it was real by the time I got to seeing Leslie and the, and the first experience because it was so out, outside and beyond the pale as far yeah. as I was concerned that was a clincher mm-hmm. and as far as beyond that like patterns and things 
uh, we began to see them after a time. There were there were regular meetings that were held with me. I, I call them council meetings, uh, where they were updates, uh, see how I was doing, mm-hmm. you know, to see how, say, the latest download had taken, to see if I was processing properly and things like that, to see if I was ready to move forward. Download. What were they downloading? So, uh, Leslie and I can both speak about that, but I'll start out the conversation. A download is a download usually of information that you did not have before, did not understand before, and cannot immediately unravel. It takes time. So it kind of bubbles up to the surface and you're able to process in time. Grant Cameron's another one has said oh, download. He'll talk a good deal about that too, I'm sure, when you have a chance to speak with him. He received a big download. So that's a, that's an information packet, basically. Mm-hmm. And that can happen, but yeah. So, uh, so I was getting more and more downloads. I was aware of it usually the next morning, whether I remembered an experience or not. It felt like I'd been run over by a truck for no particular reason. I felt absolutely haggard uh, waking up some mornings, and I thought, okay, what was going on last night? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, so a pattern did begin to develop, um, not from day one, and uh, it looked like they were tracking my progress. Mm-hmm. And altering the experience from abductions to more participatory mm-hmm. simulations. Mm-hmm. Simulations, yes. And then also, um, it was almost as if, um, as Wes moved into this process and began to release fears and concerns and have all of these restored memories, um, it was almost as if he has two lives that exist simultaneously. I mean, right now, you know, there's his the dense physical life that is Wes Robert. I don't mean dense. You know what I mean? Dense matter. <laughs> dense matter. <laughs> Here's a shovel, Leslie. Dig yourself up. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> That's okay. No, we, anyway, know, we know what you mean. You know what I mean? But so um, and then there's another aspect of him where I think now when Wes travels and engages with the beings that he normally engages with and also, um, you know, interacts with a being that he calls his twin that he has a big connection with. When he does that, I think it happens in his etheric body now, which would be more like, um, you know, a bilocation or astral projection, if you will. Uh, so it's my understanding that at this time in, in your life now, Wes, your engagements with these beings don't necessarily necessitate you being, you know, floated out the window or up, up through the roof and in, in the things that did happen to you as a child and teenager. I would agree with that very little. In fact, Leslie and I have kind of developed a theory um, that the abductions are something more primitive uh, and don't need to happen to everyone and don't happen to everyone. And at mm-hmm. some point, you're a participant, a willing participant from that point forward. And I certainly got calmer once I started to think I can participate. Maybe I can get something from this. Maybe I can offer something from this. And, and certainly one of the things that came up really early was uh, healing and an increase in mm-hmm. psychic powers. Mm-hmm. It was crazy almost from day one. This mm-hmm. is the download? Um, that's, say, the download and the first session I had with Leslie. And almost immediately after that, um, there was a change in, 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 in my psi ability. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call it, actually. You became more psychic as a result of the contact or and the regression? Uh, 100%, yeah. Hundred percent, and apparently this is not an unknown thing. No, it, it does happen. And I I almost have to wonder if you know some of these implants get 
turned on. I, I think they're really kind of like step up transformers. I don't see a negative side to the implants uh, if people are receiving them, except, you know, some people say, oh, well, they can they can track my every move and they're looking. Well, well <laughs> you have uh, a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, let's just relax about that because it yeah. happens any time exactly. uh, that they want it to happen. Exactly. So um, do you have implants, do you suspect? I I do not feel I do. Uh, we both met people uh, who have, and actually one of them had it removed, and mm-hmm. it was all filmed. It was fascinating stuff. Yeah. Dr. Roger Lear? No. Well, Roger Lear, Dr. Lear had passed away, uh, unfortunately, yeah. right. or he would have been the guy right. to look at this implant. This was a young lady who was brought to me for regression, and uh, she had your classic thing, the father in the military on the due line. This is often how I think individuals get the intention of programs that are sort of military and sort of ET. That's a great question. We'll, we'll pick up on that point. Okay. Why you, Wes Roberts, when we come back? Wes and Leslie Mitchell-Clark. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. We're going to carry this over into hour two. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. 